0: The people who advance the most are the people who maintain, they act out of vision, not out of fear. And they pursue a compelling vision of the future, even when circumstantially it might be uncomfortable. I think, I I honestly think now is a better time than four months ago to grow. I think now is a better time than six months ago to grow. I mean, I think we're in the middle and threading the needle of one of the greatest moments in history. You're listening to The Traffic and Funnel Show.
1: I want to introduce you to my, my new friend here, Mr. Taylor Welch. He is the CEO of Traffic and Funnels, uh, lives out in Nashville. His greatest success is his one-year-old daughter, who he has the opportunity to spending time with and doing daddy-daughter dates. So we'll talk a little more about that. But I uh, want to really kind of dive into this whole entrepreneurial lifestyle. Uh, living out in Nashville, was aware of Funnel Hacking Live, he was out there, uh, obviously, when we were doing it at Opryland last year, and he's been involved in real estate. He's got a ton of fun, cool business he runs on the side. And does about 30 million annually in a couple of his different businesses together. So we're going to dive in. We're talking talk a little bit about building an agency. And not only that, but uh, really hiring salespeople. How do you actually grow and scale a business, especially during these crazy times that are going on? I know a lot of people are struggling trying to figure this thing out. And Taylor's the guy who's going to answer a lot of your questions. So with that, Taylor, welcome to the show.
0: Man, it's great to be here. And hopefully I have the answers. If I don't, then I'll just kick it back to you. and, And we'll tag team. How about
1: that? I think that sounds awesome. So Taylor suffers from ADHD as much as I do. He's sitting there throwing a red ball around in the background as we sit there talking, bouncing around. I am the same way. I've got a million things. I'm usually here on a podcast with this little spinner thing, going back and forth. Fortunately, most people don't hear that spinning as I'm talking to people. But with that, uh, I think a lot of the entrepreneurs and people I've worked with have a million ideas. And I think the cool part about Taylor is he's found a way of actually scaling businesses and taking his skill set. And using that to actually help grow uh, an agency, which has become a significant seven, eight-figure agency. And then now has gone on to help others do similar types of things, but with salespeople. Uh, One of the main things we were talking about is uh, when you're trying to grow an agency, what you need is you need people actually out there selling for you. So with that, uh, let's dive in as far as uh, the agency model. I know a lot of people are trying to to build out and scale an agency. How long have you been doing this agency model now?
0: Um, Since 2000. In 13, uh, started awesome. as freelancer. So, we actually are more of a consultant agency model now. We don't do a lot of fun for you, but um, yeah, we, we we took our first client in September. Actually, our first client is Traffic and Funnels in September of 2015. But I took my first freelance client in 2013. So, a, a good little bit, not
1: not crazy, but a little bit. No, I think it's awesome. I'd like to kind of talk more about the consultancy side. That is the part that I know a lot of people want to get to because the done for you is so labor intensive. When you say a consultancy agency, just describe so our listeners understand what that really is. Um, yeah, I mean, the,
0: the agency is obviously going in and doing the work for people. Um, you know, building funnels and running the ads and creating the creative and, All of those things, but the consultancy. When we hit a point, we hit about 150 grand a month, and that was in. Took us a couple months, honestly. 2016, January 2016, and we were like, you know, we just can't, we can't scale this, or at least at the time we didn't know how to scale it. You know, in hindsight, we could have done things to scale that done for you further, but we ended up pivoting to just teaching people what to do, and. Uh, bolted that on. And a lot of agencies today, like that's a great way to do it is you just bolt on, you don't have to destroy your agency, keep your agency and then bolt on a consultancy, maybe change the pricing structure a little bit. And now, you know, we have, you know, probably around 80 to 100,000 customers slash clients per year that come in just to learn how we do what we do with our clients, but we don't do any of the work. We don't actually do any of the, the nuts and bolts. We just work with their teams to tell them what to do. Does
1: that make sense? No, actually it's, it's something I'm, I'm fascinated by because I think so often a lot of people struggle with feeling confident enough to actually be the consultant and are afraid that because I've seen the same thing happen with uh, a lot of people I've worked with in the past was like, well, gosh, if I don't get the results, you know, is it their fault or is it my fault? How do we actually say, you know, what? And the other thing obviously is scope creep as far as, you know, what are you actually consulting on? I remember my, one of my very first consultant clients, uh, paid me, you know, a significant five figure deal. And then all of a sudden said, well, are you going to do the work? And I'm like, that's not what you paid me for. Uh, if you want, I can more than happy to talk to you about doing that, but it definitely comes at an additional cost. And yeah, so com-
0: it's, it's not even the, here's the thing is people get confused about is the work isn't even the most important part. It's, it's knowing what to do, what not to do. It's the old story of the printing press where the guy comes in and he fixes it and it takes him five minutes and it's a huge bill and they itemize it. And you know, the, Lion's share of the bill is knowing what to do, not necessarily the time it takes. And I think people, even listening to me talk, sometimes are like, "Well, how do you charge the same prices if you're not doing the work for them?" But look, you know, some, the, there's an amazing team that I love that comes and mows our lawn and they take care of our lawn, and I don't pay them that much. That's the that's the economic ratio I've done for you. But when you know what to do, and it's really profound when you can tell somebody what to do, what not to do. There's an economic price tag attached to that. And that's why neurosurgeons get paid what they do. It's not necessarily because you know they are better tactically. It's that they have learned all of the ways not to kill you, and they can pass <laughs> that IP. Yeah, you know,
1: it's it's a headspace thing that people get caught in. You know, let's let's talk about the headspace. I know you've also got a. Uh, I think you've got a podcast, uh, Mind Matters, something like that about headspace as well. Daily Mind Medicine, yeah. Daily yeah. Mind Medicine. So you guys can check out Daily Mind Medicine. Uh, because I think the headspace for a lot of entrepreneurs, especially when they're trying to go from done for you or done with you to consultants is one of the biggest problems they deal with. So give me an idea. uh, When you're looking at a consultant type of, of role or an agency, um, you know, either what's your proposal like, or what do you, how do you get your clients and what are some of the fulfillment pieces that you're actually providing for them?
0: Yeah. um, Well, the easiest way to do it, and I know you guys have the, you know, traffic seekers coming out. So, you don't need any any help on figuring out where to find potential clients because you know you're you're hooked up with the king. But um, you don't need that much. And this, I think, this is the biggest thing that blows people away is when they come in. A lot of times they'll have this idea of what their consulting offer could be, and you go into it, and it's 17 different problems with hours and hours and hours of onboarding, and it's like you know people actually buy because there is a clear vision of where they want to get to. That's the first thing. And then there's a, a risk factor or a pain threshold of them staying where they are right now. And they have to believe that that vision is possible for them. They have to believe that staying right here is risky, right? And then the third thing is they have to believe that you have what it takes to cover that gap. That's it. That's what causes people to buy in our world, whether there's coronavirus, whether there's no coronavirus, 2008 market meltdown, no meltdown. People need a vision of where they want to go. They need to feel like staying stuck is dangerous or risky or potentially costly, and they need to believe that you are the linchpin. Well, when when you have seventeen things in your offer, they can't wrap their head around you being the linchpin. It's too complicated, and so we see we see more people erring on the side of selling too much, and it scares people away. Whereas the fulfillment components it really doesn't matter. If you want to, you know, you want to come in and. You want to teach people how to conceive, which you had a wonderful client who helped people do that. You want to teach people how to build an agency online. You know, one, two, three things, maybe four things max is really all you need to be covering because the believability factor is is inversely correlated to how much they have to learn
1: at the same time. Does that make sense? Totally does. This kind of goes back to what uh, you and I were talking about offline, and that is that uh, savant style of selling. Uh, yes. If you don't mind, kind of expound on that because obviously you're not the person now out there actually doing a lot of the sale and you've hired salespeople to do it. You now have a training system to help other people do the same thing. So when you look at this whole savant type of selling, it, you kind of hinted at it right there, but if you don't mind expand on that a little more.
0: Yeah. So you know, one of the benefits that I got lucky, I got lucky when I got started as I, as I dove into copywriting first, you know, I didn't learn sales first. My <laughs> freelance career was copy. And so I got to learn from Eugene Schwartz and, you know, Uh, The first copywriting book I picked up was by a guy named John Carlson. And he's obviously one of the greatest in copyright. I I learned from all of these great people who had the extraordinarily difficult job of selling with paper. And when you go through and you you look at that, it's like, you know, you you can see the different eras of salesmanship. And it starts in like the 50s, where, you know, everything is product based. And uh, to to answer your question, I'll, I'll take you through this really quick. Like, product based people are selling roll's royces in butter and toothpaste and you know uh the schlitz beer like who whoever can explain the product in a more superior more complete way is going to win and then you go into like the 80s which became about opportunity which is when the stock pick, stock picking newsletters got big and you know all of the massive opportunities, Jordan Belfort, Grant Cardone, these guys grew up and cut their teeth in that, in that era. And you get the 2000s, the big consulting, Bain Consulting, it became a problem-based selling era. And now we've transitioned into people have seen the products, there's so many products, there's so many benefits that, that you can explain the problem, You can do, and people are looking for leaders. And when you talk about the nuance of salesmanship, modern day, and how do you sell in an anti-sales arena? It's all about really mastering leadership and doing the right thing for the right people. And I think people really have to lean into this. Whereas like when people get on the call with us or when they're talking to us in any of our companies, be it real estate, sales, or marketing, the whole job of the call is, you know, uh, Dave, I'm getting on the call to help you make the best decision for you. And that may not be us. Well, there's a nuance there that really puts you at ease. And as long as you honor that code of ethics, which sadly many people do not, a lot of people can say, hey, Dave, I'm going to help you do the best thing for you, as long as that is buying my product. That's not it. That's that's defying. <laughs> you know, that, that's called unethic, unethical salesmanship. And so we, what we tend to do is we tend to kind of warp around the needs of the person that we're talking to. And, and oftentimes, that will actually look like us telling somebody no, or us telling somebody let's talk in a month, because you're not in a season of life where I feel like this is the best thing for you right now. But when it is the best thing, what that does is it gives you a level of conviction and authenticity because you know you're doing the right thing. The spirit of what you're doing is good and healthy and sound. And so I'm able to really push people out of their comfort zone because I have the conviction of knowing if it wasn't right for them, I wouldn't
1: do it. And that's a big deal. It's a big deal today, especially. I really appreciate that. I think uh, so often people could default to what you were saying. That is, you know, my product's the only thing that everybody needs and you're, I'll find some way of cramming it down your throat. And yep. the idea as far as how to sell in an anti-sales era is, uh, I think sales is one of the things for a lot of people who go online, it scares them to death. Uh, the whole reason yep. they want to go online is they don't want to have to deal with the sales. They don't want to have to talk to somebody on the phone. They don't want to deal with that. Uh, you've done an amazing job of doing exactly, exactly that of mastering how to sell. And I think it's, too often those people who haven't cut their teeth as copywriters and haven't studied some of the greats of I meaning you actually have to put down into in pen or to type it out on exactly what it is that you're trying to convey to people and that type of that type of selling again I I cut my teeth in the you know Dan Kennedy era of of growing up yeah. in a lot of the copy side of things understanding that aspect of you know direct response marketing and for me it was usually a you know, long form sales later, and then it became VSLs. And, and to see that transition, I think where you're at right now, I'd love for you to kind of expound a little more on the idea as far as the leadership style of selling and how, how a person can basically, if they're, I know that a lot of people who are listening to this are probably going, Dave, the last thing I want to do is get on the phone. I that's, I'm trying to avoid that at all cost. So how do you, how do you help someone overcome that? And what are some things they need to do to actually sell on the phone and to take a lead from, from the internet to a sales phone?
0: Yeah. Um, well, in terms of like getting on the phone, I, I think it's just, we have to suck the emotion out of it a little bit. And it's just a tool. You know, we talked earlier about, you know, I have a, uh, a daughter who's one year old. She's learning. She's at that stage of life where she's learning that if you put too many mouthfuls of food in your mouth at the same time, you can't breathe. So <laughs> We're, we're walking through that season of life, <laughs> you know, the basics, you know, you have four kids, but imagine, imagine having to raise your, your kids, but you didn't want to talk to them. You know, you, you only wanted to write a manuscript to send to them. It's just, it would, it would, it would really cramp the, the leadership style of being, being able to teach them. I think what we have to realize and, and what the audience has to realize is that, you know, People are human beings and it's not really about you getting an outcome. It's what tool do you need to ethically and and completely protect them and guide them and help transition them into the future that they want. And that's what, that's what it's all about. If you know you have to help somebody, you have to help navigate somebody through something they don't want to do so that they can get what they've always wanted to have. Do you want to do that on the phone or do you want to do that over email? And, and different strokes for different folks. You know, some people are just like, yeah, I'd rather send them an email, and you know, sink or swim. But for us, we mentored. You know, Jay Abraham is one of our mentors, and we've mentored with him for several years. And one of the things I learned from him is really one of the jobs, if you're going to to get into a position of influence, is to protect the people who have trusted you. You know, to protect them. That means leadership is not just about telling people what to do. It's about helping them know what not to do. It's about helping them navigate through all seasons and all walks of life. And you know, for us, I think it's easier to do that on the phone. And I think if people would drop the dogma of getting on the phone is about me selling or, or transactional or getting something out, it would chill them out and they wouldn't be afraid of getting on the phone anymore um, because that's just what you do, human to human interaction. Does that make sense? Uh, it totally
1: does. It's been fun. I, uh, Stripe is one of the partners we've worked with with ClickFunnels for the last five years. And it's been fun. I was actually on a call with them today. And obviously they're always trying to sell us different products and services, but the relationship I've had now with uh, Quinn and Nicole, it it really is a friendship and it's been fun. Just kind of talking through, you know, where they're trying to go, where we're trying to go as a company, how how do we actually navigate? And I I love that term as far as navigate and protect. Um, You know, we've like, I sit there and think, gosh, you know what, do we consider possibly setting up our own payments uh, instead of using Stripe? And, you know, Nicole and Quinn were both like, Dave, you're more obviously if that's the what you guys decide is, click funnels is the best thing for you guys, we're here to help and it's funny because she actually Nicole used that same word, and that is we're here to help you navigate through that because there's a lot of risk involved. And we and it's so funny. I literally am, I'm replaying the conversation I had with Nicole and Quinn two hours ago, uh, about that whole idea of of protect and navigate and to really help help them help the people who are trusting in you that you're going to protect them. And I think that from a leadership sales standpoint, I I don't think there's that many people who actually associate leadership with selling. And I think that's a, it's a mistake. I think the more often that you can actually say, you know what, my job here is to really help lead and to navigate you through this. So you make the best decision for you. Hopefully obviously involves us, but if not, it's what you need. And I think that's awesome. 100%. Yep. So tell me as as you've built your agency, how much, is it, again, you came from a copywriting background, Taylor. Uh, you've done a lot on the phones. As you're selling your consultancy, is most of that done on the phone? Is it done through email, websites, funnels? What's What do you find is working best?
0: Um, yeah, everything ev- eventually makes it to a person's phone for a conversation. But um, kind of the model or the value ladder, so to speak, would would be we put out a lot of content on the front. And so we have books and courses and and um, different bits of material that we offer to people and we advertise that. And then eventually they come through and they end up having a conversation. Um, and it may be with a salesperson. It may be with a customer service person who, by the way, is still a salesperson. I mean, at the end of the day, everything, if, if you believe sales is, is leaders guiding people, every position in your company is sales, you know? Um, and then, yeah, they get on the phone if they need it. Uh, Emphasis on the, the the need part because nobody wants to be spending a bunch of time on everybody. Everybody listening has had a conversation with somebody, and you spend forty five minutes, and you get to the end, you realize that you know, they didn't need it, they don't want it. Um, they're just having a conversation, and and that's frustrating. So people will buy stuff, or they'll come in, they'll listen to the podcast, and you know they'll end up getting on the phone with somebody, and we'll sell them a consulting package if it makes sense. Uh, we have have different levels of consulting. Most of them, you know, are based on how much time it's going to take to implement. You know, wanting wanting to go from ten thousand dollars a month to one hundred and eighty thousand dollars a month is is likely not going to be a two week engagement. It could, but (laughs) probably not. Uh, So, kind of based on the goals of the person we're talking to, that package might change. Um, And we don't actually do any proposals or anything like that. We, uh, if you know, people don't have to decide on the spot either. I think that's another mistake of of sales trainers. Is you know, if you don't make the decision right now you're a loser. And we don't subscribe <laughs> to that. Like we don't subscribe to that at all because, um, I don't, I mean, if you've ever been married, then you understand sometimes you do need to, you know, have conversations before you make a five or a six figure. And so I think a lot of people train sales in a way that is just like how you make decisions. is not necessarily how everyone makes decisions. So you don't necessarily need to force that upon people. Uh, But We have people who follow us forever, man. They follow us for years before finally coming in and deciding. And for us, like, you know, we want to be gracious with people and allow people within reason to, like you said, navigate forward based on what's best for them. Now, don't get on the phone and be like, you know, I want to be the next Taylor Welch, but I want to think about it for six months because then we'll blow you up. Because that's not how Taylor <laughs> Welch makes decisions. You know, so it all comes back down to what does this, this person want, man? Like, what, what do you want? How fast do you want it? And what type of person do you need to become in order for those results to come into your life? Because it's not all tactical. And that's another mistake people make is, I can show you. I can show you tactics, but if you're the if you're not the right kind of person, you, you'll never be able to actually sustain what you say you want. Just so we start there. Yeah.
1: you know, that's fantastic. So tell me when, uh, from a pricing standpoint and an engagement standpoint, what's your average client like? I mean, are they? Is this a one two month engagement? Are these annual engagements? Or how, how do you price?
0: Um, at, so on the front end, these are you know we have stuff that's free, seven dollars, ten dollars uh, $500. And then the two main consulting programs for TF, there's a $10,000 consulting program that's about 10 weeks. And then there is a six month and a 12 month. And, you know, it goes from 18 all the way up to $45,000 for the time-based. the sales consultancy is a lot different. Um, people pay on a monthly basis for that. So we have entrepreneurs who actually, enroll their salespeople into the sales training and they get sales training. We also have a staffing component on that. You know, we were paying headhunters like $10,000 a piece and these guys were dumb. And I'm like, man, I can't train this person. They're dumb. And we lost 10 grand. And so we're like, we're just going to create our own. And so, you know, we staff salespeople for other entrepreneurs. And then you know, the beauty of, of how we've set everything up is when we go in and, you know, Chris and I are, we're, we're more serial entrepreneurs that. At this point, than anything else, because we've learned team and we've learned leverage and we've learned management and all these things. It's like the sky's the limit, you know. Like it's it's like freedom at the end of Braveheart. It's like oh my god, you know. I never (laughs) knew this was possible. (laughs) And so when we created the real estate business, you know, it it fit another. It kind of filled another gap for people. Where it's like, yeah, I'm sure that you guys have the same issue, where people make all this money, but they're not. You know, they've studied marketing, they studied sales, they studied advertising, but then they haven't studied investing. They haven't studied capital allocation. They haven't studied inflation. They haven't, they have no economic literacy and they're like, you know, I've got, you know, three and a half million dollars sitting in a bank account. I have no idea what to do with it. And so with wealth gap, you know, it's, it's really building out the infrastructure to where now our clients in TF and in sales mentor are purchasing investment real estate and they're investing into pieces of land and we have an sec fund set up. And so we're, We've learned how to put all of these businesses together in a way that fills the need. And I think that's another interesting point is what is it that bothers you? And you get a little bit of an indication as to what you should likely go solve. And a lot of people are, are really good at pouncing an opportunity. But when the passion is not there, man... Like it's yeah. it's difficult to sustain that, and so for people who are starting out, it's not just about where the need is, although you have to have some need your people should take heed and they should pay attention to what is it about the world, what is it about you know your experience that bothers you and, and frustrates you and you know how do you line up what what is needed with what you're passionate about and when you can get into the middle of that, you have you know, the dream scenario where work is play and play is work, and there is no divide anymore.
1: You know? Oh, my gosh. I, Having been through that uh, journey, I totally understand what you're saying, and that uh, resonates very, very well with me. I know that uh, right now, it's, I think the part that frustrates my wife, who I've been married to now 26 years, it's like, uh, you just never stop. and like Because to me, at this point, it is play. It's work and play oh, are, are synonymous that I, I do. It's a game, and I love playing yeah. games. Yep. So Same. tell me, uh, if you don't mind, uh, in a few minutes we have left here, the piece you, you hit on there was – Helping other people, either training, kind of this whole sales mentor thing of helping other businesses who either want to sell someone to sell for them. How does that whole sales mentor thing work with what you guys are doing?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, so we advertise and we have decided to kind of create our own market because the problem is um, there. There's competency, and then there's like attitude, and those two things don't always line up. And so, what I found, this is just me. I'm gonna be real. And tell you the, tell you what I really think is a lot of the people in this high ticket game who are salespeople with experience and they have a little bit of competency but attitudinally it's like I, I would never go out to eat with you um, <laughs> I don't like you I can't teach you anything and so we're like well I'd rather find somebody who's a cultural attitudinal fit and teach them everything that I know about salesmanship and and teach them how to play the game, but they have the drive it's funny um the uh, Michael Jordan documentary is is, is dropping on ESPN. And man, it's it's amazing to go back and watch. Like, man, here's a guy, you know, you look at MJ versus Scottie Pippen and MJ had the drive and Pippen didn't. And so they worked well together. But so many people today have the competency, but they don't have the attitudinal component. And so they just struggle. They struggle in life. They struggle in relationships. They struggle in business. And with SalesMeter, we're going out into non-sales markets. So we're, we're teaching people how to, how to do sales and they work a nine to five at Costco. You know, really? but they're, hung, they're hungry and they're young and they're willing to do whatever it takes. And those people become great because they have the spirit of the game. They have the drive there. You can teach them everything else. And so we got out of trying to find salespeople from the marketing world and we got into really home-growing salespeople uh, based on attitude and based on what they wanted, similar to what you guys have done with really, you know, building uh, the infrastructure to to bring in freelancers, and you have the network where you can connect freelancers with business owners. And so we're doing the same thing on the sales side. And anytime a business owner needs salesmanship or salespeople or sales talent, you know, we'll connect them for a staffing fee and train them a bit in the process. And so it's kind of a a two headed dragon approach to the sales problem that we built once again for ourselves. People think we create all these businesses because we care about people. And we do care about people, but most of the time we're building it because there's a significant need for us. And then we realize in the process, oh, we're not the only ones with this problem.
1: You know? I love it. Uh, ClickFunnels built the same way. We need it for ourselves and oh my gosh, other people can use the oh, same yes. thing.
0: 100 percent
1: So trafficandfunnels.com is where they can find you uh, as far as the agency side of it. Is that correct? Trafficandfunnels.com? Yep. yep. And then that spawned the need for salespeople and now you have your own sales mentor. What's the, where do people go to find out more about sales mentor? They go to thesalesmentor.com com as well. Yep. So go to thesalesmentor.com. com, and then from that you now had generated revenue and assets and needed to actually invest. And you now have the opportunity of investing. And how does that where can they find out more information on that? So that would be wealthcapholdings.com. Um
0: and then you know from there there's some books and things like that, that they can get into. Um, and then dailymindmedicine.com is a daily mindset podcast. Uh, it's like three to five minutes long. People really like that as well because they can just hit it quickly and be done.
1: how oh, too. That's awesome. Well, as we kind of get close to wrapping things up here, any other parting words for our audience? Uh,
0: no, I mean, that was the, the literally the best time in history to advance and to grow. Everybody's everybody has an element of fear, because of what's going on in the economy, but but if you study, if you if you actually go back, not not go back four years, but go back 190 years, and you really look at the way the world works, um, the the people who advance the most are the people who maintain. They act out of vision, not out of fear, and they pursue a compelling vision of the future, even when circumstantially it might be uncomfortable. I think I I honestly think now is a better time than four months ago to grow. I think now is a better time than six months ago to grow. I mean, I think we're in the middle and threading the needle. Of one of the greatest moments in history, and I think people are going to regret if they look back on this time and and they they hold up you know in their their house. And I'm not talking physically, social distance, yes, yes, yes. But I'm talking emotionally <laughs> from a visionistic standpoint, from a from a growth standpoint. You, you want to advance right now. You want to hire mentors. You want to go out and you want to help increase the velocity of money right now because we're gonna we're not gonna be here forever and. Mark my words, the people who are you know, not motivated by fear, but they're motivated by service, they're going to grow the most over the next
1: few months. Oh, man. Love that. I can't agree. Honestly, totally agree with you on that. So Taylor, if people want to find you, what's the best place to actually go find more about Taylor Welch? Uh,
0: Instagram, it's great. Taylor A. Welch is the handle. Uh, Facebook, same thing. Taylor A. Welch and Daily Mind Medicine. You know, we're pushing Daily Mind Medicine right now. The, the word I feel like I got once things started going down this is just a beacon of hope, becoming a beacon of hope for people, teaching people really, you know, there might be resistance, but man, thank God for resistance, right? Because without it, we would be weak, short-sighted. We wouldn't know how to, how to uh, you know, we wouldn't know how to function if there wasn't any challenge in life. And so dailymindmedicine.com is a great resource for that as well. And share it with the people that, yeah, people have been messaging me they're like, man, I don't feel like I need this but my mama needs it and I, so I sent it to her I'm like <laughs> might be missing the point but it's a great it's a great use of the tool. Thanks for listening. For more from Chris and Taylor, visit trafficandfunnels.com and get a free gift just for being a subscriber. That's trafficandfunnels.com.